0: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey and I'm your host and joining me Mel, our co-host. Mel, good to see you again.
0: Good to see you too. Davey, I know that you had mentioned a couple months back that you had gone to a counseling retreat with your whole yeah. family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've been eagerly and I think quite honestly, patiently waiting for you to share <laughs> the so deets patient. of your trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I could timer? share it. I wish
1: I had the time to share all the deets. So I guess we'll just have to kind of like share a little bit as we go. But it was an unbelievable Retreat for us. Um, it was a counseling retreat mixed with like a ministry renewal retreat. And um, this is one of the only places, I believe, in the country that does it in this unique way. Uh, many places, you know, especially pastors, missionaries, um, Christian leaders, they go to these Christian uh, retreat centers and they go for a week or they go for a few days or something like that. It's usually just adults. But this is one of those. That I think I honestly believe is the only one in the country we've did some research and stuff and and they kind of uh, other folks that we were interacting with they said that this is the only one that they found where they not only um, counsel you and your spouse or you know the adults but simultaneously they 're also counseling your kids on the same topics so what our wow. what our day would
0: make so much sense
1: yeah it was it was incredible, so what our day would look like is. While Christy and I would be in the morning in lectures and and, in you know talking about some of these things and these topics, and then we'd go to support groups. Um, We'd pick our kids up from uh, for lunch. We'd go back to our room, and we would talk to them. They would give us these parent cues. We would talk to them about the same exact topics that we had just covered. That morning with the Mm -hmm. adults, but it was in language that the kids could understand. Oh, wow. I know. So we were able to kind of have in dialogue, you know, on their level, the same type of things. And what we, what we realized is that kids have a very difficult time, especially in trauma And trauma can be described as a number of things, you know, it doesn't have to just be a tragedy, like a crazy tragedy, like that hit our life, but any kind of transition. So we've got, you know, Natalia who is, um, she's, she's walked through divorce and what that entails and all the, the nuances of that. And then Weston who has walked through the loss of, of a caregiver Mm. at 15 months old. And so both of them uniquely are trying to put words to their emotions. And sometimes they have, not just your normal four and five-year-old reactions. They have emotions that are coming out of trauma and they don't even realize it. And so Mm -hmm. we have been guilty of, Christy and I have both, of like trying to in some ways, like trying to toughen up our kids, you know, like they should have an emotional response. We're like, Hey, get over it. You know what I mean? Which is oftentimes yeah. the the reaction for people. It's like, just kind of like it calluses us up, like, stop, you know, move through it, get over it. Right. We're, we're like, why are you acting like a baby? Like move through it, get over it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll react like that to them sometimes because we don't want, you know, um, petty, childish, um, spoiled, you know, entitled kids. Uh, but what that what that wasn't doing for us is it wasn't, it wasn't um, and it wasn't doing for them is we weren't attuning to their needs and giving them mm. language to be able to in a healthy way express their emotions. So we were encouraging without even knowing it, encouraging this like stuff, stifle, you know, shove away your emotions, don't deal with them. Which could could easily perpetuate into some really destructive behavior down the road,
0: oh man that's hard
1: so Mel, let me tell you let me tell you what my fear was though, as we started getting into this attunement thing with the kids, is that you know I told you i didn't we didn't want entitled spoiled brat type kids who just kind of got away with like reacting out of their emotions. My fear sure. was is that we would go to this other spectrum, right the pendulum swing, and we would end up enabling that I mean that's kind of mm-hmm. the fear that's why we were reacting to them the way that we were with this kind of like hard line, like, no, we're not going to behave like that, which is good. I mean, there needs to be the boundaries and there needs to be those rules. But one of the things they said, uh, to us, this, uh, the counselor, one of the counselors that was there in childhood development counselor who really helps kids, um, who have walked through some kind of trauma, um, and helps parents help those kids. So they gave us this, this, Beautiful piece of advice on how to manage that tension well, because you can, if you just like, just go to the feeling side of things with your kids and you don't use that then to like point them in the right direction and instruct them in truth and in God's ways and how to respond properly out of those feelings, you can, you can become an enabler. And so Mm. they said, okay, parenting is all boiled down into answering two questions for your kids here's the two questions. And I'm telling you, this, this like blew my mind. It was like, it's so simple. And yet at the same time, we all know parenting is not simple by any means, but if no. you can look at it through this filter and and it, here's the two questions that we're answering for our kids every single day. Do you love me? Right. That's one simple question. Okay. Do you love me? Um, and can I always get my way? So, so it's the tension between those two, because do you love me really speaks to that attunement side of things. What the kids are looking for is, do I feel loved by you? Mm. Are you interacting with me? Or are you engaging with me? Are you on my level? Are you looking me in the eye? Are you attuning to my needs? Are you there? You know, are you there for me when I need? Um, you know, I mean, just the other night, I uh, Natalia, we're we're I'm tucking her into bed, and she says, "Hey, if my tummy hurts tonight, can I come into your room and, and wake you up?" And my initial reaction was like, no, you know, like if your tummy hurts, just roll over and just, you know, tough it out. Like, you know, it's just because we know kids, they'll kind of make a a mountain out of a molehill. It's just a little tummy ache, but I'm realizing, wait a minute, she's not really asking about a tummy ache. She's asking, are you going to be there for me? Mm. Right. Do you love me? And so even me just being like, yeah, Hey, absolutely. You can just gives her an assurance. Yeah. He's they're there for me. It's okay. Like, you know and they'll grow up and they don't they won't come to you for every tummy ache however at the same time answering the question can i always get my way that's a that's a hard no of course you can't always get your way right life is not going to let you get your way right? In fact, our life should be lived for other people, not for ourselves. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And so our life is lived for Jesus. We do Jesus's way, not our way, because Jesus's way leads to uh, happiness and healthiness and wholeness. And and so answering those two questions, that put the tension there for me to go, okay, how do I show my kids I love them no matter what, but also you're not going to get your way.
0: Yeah. Man, like like
1: mind-blowing, you know? <laughs>
0: that's so good.
1: Yeah. And so what was really cool is just to be able to learn these things and to go, how do we now give kids, our kids, this language? And so they give us like really awesome tools, like the, this like wheel of feelings, you know? And so whereas Weston before would have these reactions where he would just melt down out of nowhere or he couldn't explain to us what he was feeling. I mean, he was clearly feeling sad or scared or whatever it was that he was feeling, he couldn't explain it to us. He would just have these crazy meltdowns and these weird regressions during seasons um, for no reason and, or for what we interpreted as no reason. And then once we were able to make a a subtle shift, I mean, it was this tiny little shift, this, this child development counselor was working with us and they suggested just making this little shift of attuning to that, to our kids a little bit more, getting on their level. Um, acknowledging their emotion and acknowledging their feelings, helping them to heal here, helping them to feel heard. And then, mm. and then kind of like reflecting that back to them. Um, that, that little shift right there completely changed the nature of how they interacted with us. Oh, really? And then giving them like, Hey, how did sh- point on this? It was like this, it's like this chart where they have these faces, like almost like emojis, you know, that show emotions. It's like, which one of these are you feeling right now? And so then they kind of point to it. It's like, oh, that's sad or that's angry or that's. And now it's giving them some words um, Mm. that they can use to go, hey, I'm feeling angry right now. So it's cool to hear them actually apply that now you know we have this little feelings chart on our refrigerator and sometimes they'll go over there and they'll move the little cursor over mm-hmm. to where they what they feel that day and we'll say hey why do you feel why do you feel frustrated right now you know oh i don't know because this 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 and so um it's been a very powerful tool for us because you know emotions are not something we should shove they're they're not something that we should use to let us they should be a gauge for us not a guide yeah right so they yeah. should tell us they should be like these red light indicators for us. It's like, whoa, I'm feeling something. Hold on a second. Rather than a roadmap, so should, they should tell us where we are, not where we're going. And so, if we yeah. if we give our kids language to say, "Hey," and and even in our relationships, "Hey, this is what I'm feeling." Um, but but this is what you know. Then this is what I know to be true, and this is how I can change change that emotion by focusing on the right truths. You know, that, and that way those emotions don't overwhelm us or overcome us. And, and it's, it was just so cool to learn how to do that with our kids. So,
0: oh man, that is going to be helpful for years, I mean, for the rest of their lives. Um, this past summer I read a Brene Brown book and she talked about how just in general in our country, how our emotional vocabulary is incredibly poor and limited and how that it's acceptable to be angry, sad, or happy, but then we don't really have words, um, or give people the green light to feel outside of those emotions. Right. And she's like, we need to expand our emotional vocab to like 30 words and feelings. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know what we'll do on this particular episode, this podcast page, we'll put a link to like a feelings wheel. So um, I'm looking at our podcast producer right now to to have me remind, be reminded of that. But you're absolutely right, Mel. And one of the simple practices that people can do is they can make it a practice with their spouse or with their family to every single day, go around the table, dinner table or whatever, and say, hey, how are you feeling today? And you can't say things like, I'm tired or, you know what I mean? You have to like, and so this feelings wheel, you could actually pass it around and say point, you know, which one is this? Which one do you feel and give some language to that and then explain why. And it's amazing what it does to your relationships. It helps you to attune to each other, to empathize with each other, to understand mm. each other better, to go, oh, well, and, and it kind of gives you grace with each other too. It's like, oh yeah, well that's, that's why that person kind of responded mm. today the way they did is because they're feeling this. And then when you, when your family member says that to you and then you reflect back and you're like, Hey, I'm hearing, you know, disappointment in you right now. I'm hearing anger or frustration or whatever. It's like, it's amazing what it does relationally. Um, you feel so much more connected.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I love that. Yeah, post that because we need that for our house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We will. We will. Now, I don't know what that has to do with our interview today with Tara Lee Cobble, but I'm sure that somehow we can make the transition over there. This is what we do on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. We try to talk about the raw emotion of things, and she definitely brings out a lot of that stuff. Um, which I love is really it. good. I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing this interview. But um, before we do, if you haven't been on iTunes, rate and review us, and join us on Instagram. Um, our handles: Nothing is Wasted Ministries. We'd love to see you there. And um, I'm so excited for Tara's interview. So let's listen.
1: Tara Lee, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me as, as you're sitting here over Skype, taking a little picture. This is awesome. We, we
2: got to put this on Instagram, right? That's so true.
1: If it's not on the gram, it didn't happen, right?
2: right. I want to I use that shot to promote it uh, oh,
1: when it comes out. I love it. I love it. Tara Lee, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, help our listeners know who you are. Many of them may know who you are and what you're doing, but Um, Where you live, what's going on in in Tara Lee Cobble's life?
2: Uh, My name is Tara Lee Cobble. As you just said, you can call me Tara Lee. You can call me TLC since those are my initials. (laughs) Don't go chasing
1: waterfalls.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, I live in Dallas, Texas in a little concrete box in the sky. (laughs) And uh, I run a ministry called D Group, which is a discipleship group ministry. It's an international network of weekly in-home discipleship and Bible study groups for men and for women. Wow. Some of them meet adjacent. They're like a small group option for churches. And we have touched six continents. We're in two languages. And I have a great team that helps us build out curriculum and put it together every week. And then also we have a daily podcast called the Bible recap, which is a five minute recap of that day's chronological Bible reading. Wow. To just be like for those people who close their Bible and are like, what did I just read? <laughs> which is actually, a lot you know, of people. <laughs> here's what here's what it is. And here's where we saw the Lord show up. And that's um, awesome. Yeah, so that's that's those are my current endeavors. They're separate but uh, side by side.
1: Yeah, and it's not a lot at all. You're 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 cruising no, through I'll that with it. a brief, I mean, you've got it's, what? It's a uh, four hour work week for you. No big deal.
2: Yeah, yeah. I usually finish my work by nine a.m. and then I just uh, hang out by the pool.
1: Why? Why not? Yeah, work. <laughs> <Kingdom laughs> right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that's <Sure>. not true. <laughs> those of you guys who are listening off air, we talked <laughs> about how she's in a season right now of working eighty to ninety hours. But yeah. uh, man, it's awesome. I every love every day. What, Ter- terri- <laughs> I'll Lee, kn- okay, this is one of my favorite stories ever. Uh, uh, 2016, April, we were in Israel. Uh, and I was there on a new spring trip, and Brad Cooper and I are walking out of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, I think it was. I think uh-huh, that's where it yeah. was. All of a sudden, we hear, Brad, Davey, and like
2: <laughs> turn around.
1: And I think, did you have pink hair at the time or what? So I don't remember what. Uh, no, I, I
2: had on purple lipstick. That's so. what it
1: was. You had purple. Yeah. I was like, I looked, I turned around, and I'm like... <laughs> I know this girl. Oh my gosh, Terry Lee Cobble. What the heck are you doing in Israel right now? <laughs>
2: Casually running into someone in Bethlehem. No big yeah. deal.
1: No big deal. Was it in Bethlehem? It might have been in Bethlehem. So yeah, I don't know Bethlehem. where it was. The okay, church so church Okay, yeah. oh man. No, no, no. The it Church of the Nativity.
2: Church of the Nativity. Yeah, okay, that's right.
1: okay. What? Yeah. What an odd, odd thing. But it was so cool. <laughs> I don't think you and I have talked since then. But man. I
2: haven't seen you since then. Oh my yet. gosh! So, but I, what you didn't know, Brad and I were texting to play. It wasn't. It wasn't as random as okay. it sounds right now. Brad and I had been texting like, "Hey, you're in Israel. I'm in Israel. Let's meet up." And I was leading a a trip with D Group. We take D Group gotcha. there once a year. So. And, um, I was like, I've got to make this happen. I haven't seen these guys in forever. So
1: that is so cool. So, yeah, that's so funny. Well, that is a <laughs> lot less random than I like to chalk it up to the randomness though. I'm like, yeah, wow, how providential totally
2: the Lord ordained birthing all
1: this really cool relationship of ministry kingdom. No, I, I don't know how I can spin right. that. There's right. no way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, um, we, we talk a lot on this pod. We've got so many things that we can talk about, but one of the things that I think is is very unique to your story over the past several years, and, and I've kind of somewhat followed over social media and certain things that's going on in, in your life and followed with some mutual friends of ours, but you've kind of walked through a, a period, a, a season of some really difficult things. And as, as most of us who are in life and in ministry. You know, pain is the common denominator for life. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, you know, sometimes we think in in ministry, we're kind of immune to those things, immune to tragedy, (laughs) immune to... And then sometimes I have a theory that maybe actually um, we go through a little bit more of the ringer sometimes to be put Mm -hmm. as a a demonstration to other people Mm -hmm. that God is, is good and He's working all things out for our good as an object lesson to people. But Um, you just talk to us a little bit about period of like 2015, 2018, the past three or four years, Yeah. what kinds of things have you been walking through? Um, and then we'll dive in and and how you've been processing and healing through some of that. Uh,
2: it has been, it was a season of about three years of just, you know, we, we go through those seasons where it's like the waves don't keep, they don't stop. They just keep coming. And you just, you're like, I'm going to catch my breath. And then you get knocked down again. Hmm. And For me, it was kind of like uh, a a variety of things. It wasn't one thing. It was different things back to back. So the first thing that happened was my sister, who uh, is my oldest sister, um, got brain cancer. And very quickly, within a period of about uh, two months, just we lost her in in two months. Wow. How old um, was she? She, I, am not good with ages. Um, I think she was in her late forties maybe. Um, and, uh, she had asked me to come be the person who was with her when she had the brain surgery. Mm. And so I I flew out to Nashville to Vanderbilt there with that. And then we thought she was going to be fine. And then she wasn't. And, um, flew out had some friends who who graciously in the midst of a snowstorm and all this crazy stuff me trying to get to tennessee to be with her when they found out she was about to pass got to spend her last few days with her and just you know she died at home um and i was the the person laying in bed with her checking her pulse to mm. let people know when she passed um because she, her breathing was so shallow we couldn't couldn't tell right. you know wow. so just um that was really really hard uh yeah. and very unexpected, even though a lot of times, um, they, they say that it's, uh, more challenging sometimes. It's a, it's a different challenge to process immediate loss than to process prolonged loss, like processing immediate loss. I think a lot of times the processing is much more delayed. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it's something like a terminal illness, apparently you do a lot of pre grieving, right? Um, you grieve throughout the process until it happens. And then, um, but, Hers was sort of this combination of both because it was a terminal illness, but it happened so quickly. Yeah. It's like you had the opportunity
1: um, to say goodbye, but not much of a time to grieve because right. I'm sure it was a whirlwind of treatments and, you know, okay, we got to schedule surgery. Yeah. And got to, you know, all Everything. of that. Yeah. Right. Well.
2: And, um, so that was, that was very, really challenging. And then, um, I, my parents are, are, are up in years. They're, they're fairly yeah. old. Um, and, uh, I'm the youngest in my family. And I'm the only one who lives away from home, and so I was able to, like, like I said, go in and take care of her. Then I came back to Dallas, and a few months after that, I had my routine visit to my cardiologist, mm-hmm. um, which I was born with a couple heart defects, and they've just been keeping a watch on them for years and saying, like, at some point you're going to have to have like valve surgery. At some mm-hmm. point you're going to have to have this fixed, whatever. So four major birth defects in my heart. Wow. And so I come back home, um, and then about three months later, after you know we buried my sister my cardiologist says, uh, you, it's time for you to have the open heart surgery. Wow. And so I was just like my parents, my poor parents, like, yeah. how am I going to break this to them? You know? So I have the first open heart surgery. Um, my community was really great about caring for me in that, um, my family flew out. My sister Sonia came to care of me there in here in Dallas. And then, um, <laughs> about six weeks after that, they said, um, we need to do another open heart surgery now. Oh, my gosh. So, what it, what it, it was, I mean,
1: what was the reasoning? What had happened?
2: They had thought that they were going to be able to fix something intravenously. Yeah. And that's one of the other major birth defects. They thought we can go into a vein and we can fix it that way. Um, gotcha. But they decided it actually was so, uh, it was so bad that yeah. they needed to go in. So they said, oh, we'll do a second open heart surgery. So I had two, two-ish months after my first open heart surgery, I had a second open heart wow. surgery. And in that one, I was accidentally electrocuted, um, oh my gosh! which meant I had an open wound in my back for four months that um, had to be had daily treatments and all that. So meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm running a ministry, no I'm, joke. Um, but I'm not running it well because I'm on a lot of medications. Yeah. I have, have to go to the doctor all the time. Um, you know, I'm laid up, I can't move, I can't lift things. So it's, it's a, it's a stressful time for Mm -hmm. everybody who works for D group and all that. And, um, it was just a really challenging scenario to manage. And in Mm. that I mismanaged some things. Mm. I just, I didn't have conversation. I, you know, I avoided conversations I should have had. Yeah and um as a result of my uh, just kind of sweeping things under the rug and considering them not important things got worse as yeah. they often do yeah so it ended up um when, with some fractured relationships that um are still fractured wow. and that i do hope will someday be restored um but it it had, that was what i found after in the aftermath of that was that um the relational challenges
1: were so much more wounding, wounding to me. (laughs) I saw what you were about to say and I know exactly what you you mean. That was
2: exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. Oh, wow. And took so, like, I would take an electrocution Uh, scar uh, any day over everything that happened in my relationships. Mm. Those are the things that I I think about 20 times a day. You know, I forget that scar is there until, you know, somebody asks about it or mentions it. But I don't, I don't forget those, those relational yep. uh, wounds. Yeah. And um, so that's been a thing that the Lord has done a lot of work in me on. But I realized coming out of that, that, um, and this is something like, honestly, I'm just having this over the past couple of months. I'm just sort of, the Lord's been giving me little insights into some stuff that, that I wasn't aware of previously. Yeah. And uh, have you heard of that book, The Body Keeps the Score? Yeah,
1: I've read it. It's a very good book. Yeah.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah. So I had one of those times where like three different people who don't even know each other mentioned it in like 24 hours. <laughs> That's a and God like, thing. Okay, we yeah, were like, all
1: right, can, Lord. Yeah, all right. Well, what I said God. after I read it, by the way, just as a side note, I was like, somebody needs to write this book for, in layman's terms. Cause man, it dives <laughs> in to a lot of scientific, you know, analyses and, you know, psychological analyses. And I'm like, whew, this is. Deep, this is heavy, but the premise of it is amazing. You know, what does so, yeah. trauma and stress do to your body? And right? then how do you? Yeah. Well, and I love what he's, you know, I feel like that the first half of it, he's like, this is what we've tried to do traditionally with medicine, like in the medical field to try to treat this stuff. And we're not really doing much for the depth of healing mm-hmm. in all of this. And so here's yep. my proposal for how we change it, you know. So yeah. good. Anyways, go was, ahead, talk to was me was about it. A
2: brilliant. Little bit. It was yeah. brilliant. And, um, I, for me, I've been in therapy since my sister passed away and mm. and years before that as well. Like this is, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of biblical counseling, all yeah. that. So I've been seeing my counselor, um, for about three years with all the stuff with my sister and the surgeries and the relationships and everything. And, um, <clears throat> felt like there had been a lot of emotional healing. I felt really emotionally healthy.
3: Yeah.
2: My body was not, wow. uh, where my emotions were. And so my body brings things back up. So I had gone, this is like a, I, I hope I don't go off on too much of a tangent you here. You can but go on
1: any tangent that you want to. <laughs> this is fantastic. Maybe, I'll bring it back some around. Maybe
2: will relate, Absolutely. you know.
1: Absolutely.
2: But I had gone, I thought I was allergic to dairy. And okay. so I went to a doctor to see like, do I have dairy allergies? And they're testing all the systems of my body. And um, they put this uh, electrical thing around, around my chest and around my stomach and around my head. And as I'm, they have me lay down, stand up, lay down, stand up. And, um, when you lay down, I didn't know this, but your body's supposed to go into the, uh, parasympathetic state to Mm. rest. It's your like resting mode. And when you stand up, your body's supposed to go in sympathetic. Mm. So that's your engaging, um, you can fight or flight kind of thing. And they said, your body is stuck in, uh, sympathetic or parasympathetic. It won't wake up. Wow. And I was like, well, oh, that's weird. You know? Wow. So I just was like, okay, now back to the dairy thing. Like I kind of ignore <laughs> that. and like, okay, But then that was one little piece that came together. And then, um, a friend and I were in uh, an airport in Amsterdam and there was a scenario there that we thought was a terrorist attack. Oh, and wow. she, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, and in the midst of everybody in the airport, like running, running. and police officers Gosh. with guns drawn yelling um, she sprints out and I just stand there. Wow. Like I just froze. I just stood there and it wasn't a terrorist attack. It was, it was a weird, you know, scenario, but, um, I was like, that's weird that I just, I just froze. Kind yeah. of. And then all of these other things start stacking up like that. Um, and I listened to a podcast that was talking about how the the levels of trauma and it was talking about the body keeps the score. And it talks about all that stuff of just your first response is fight or flight. And if you can't solve your problem with fight or flight, you go to frozen. Mm. And if you can't solve your problem with frozen, you go to disassociation. Mm. And so I was like, Oh my word. I, I would never have used the word trauma to describe what I'd been through because it felt so melodramatic. You know, it was like uh, war veterans can have trauma or, you know, like those, like that kind of thing. And, um, reading that book was really helpful for me because it, you know, just the, the distinctions between like big T trauma and little T trauma. Like if you have a bunch of little T traumas stacked together, they can be the size of a big T trauma and everybody's window of tolerance is different. And so I'd been kind of shaming myself of like, this isn't traumatarily like reel it in, you know? Mm. And, um, so I, I mentioned to my biblical counselor, um, here's what I think is happening. Like, do you think, am I like a therapy hypochondriac? She was I like, am
1: so glad. Okay. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm, I hope you start going here. Cause I was just about to ask you this, this balance between a biblical counseling that you've been seeing. And then this like really physiological studies of trauma and stuff. Tell me how you've learned that those things merge. Talk to me about this counselor. Talk to me well, about this was, conversation with this counselor.
2: <laughs> so the first person that I contacted before I contacted my counselor was um oh well and by the way all the people who recommended the body keeps the score to me were solid believers yeah
1: me too and so that helped yep
2: so then after i read it i contacted we have a chaplain who's on d group's board of of like prayer and advisory board right and so i know that um some of the therapies mentioned in there like emdr and things like that Mm -hmm. have been used heavily in the military and with great results but i'm like but what what's the the spiritual element exactly. of that? Like, how, that is feels that so is that okay? Weird. You know? <laughs> and so I contacted him. He's an amazing theologian. And I was like, hey, have you heard of this book? What do you think? And he was like, Everything I hear about all these treatments and everything sounds completely above board. Like, and the fact that here's what I love that it reveals to me about the Lord. Like all this stuff's very medical. Mm-hmm. But I love I feel like it's just like common grace of medicine that yeah. God would say, Hey, I, there's like eternal spiritual healing for people who are my children, for for, for people who don't know me, I still am going to provide means of healing for them as well. Mm, Like I'm still going to do things that, that can help them get out of the pit that they're in emotionally. Like it's just common grace. And, um, so, you know, I, I just, I have not personally struggled to unite the two Mm -hmm. because, um, I don't feel like they're at odds. Yeah. But uh, I did, but I don't know everything, right? Exactly, yeah. So I wanted to ask other people and I wanted to ask professionals. So wow. I asked a professional, uh, you know, the chaplain and then I asked my biblical counselor. Yes. And she it was so, I felt so relieved by it and also frightened because I was like, um, so do you think, like, am I making this stuff up? Like, I feel like I'm recognizing these things and I feel like maybe some of these these therapies might be helpful to me. And she was like, I think there's more that you haven't even discovered yet. Mm. I think it's the grace of God that he's brought these things to light. And I would agree with your, the conclusions you've reached, but I think there's even more. And I would even recommend that maybe you go to um, a one-week intensive. Wow. And I was like, okay. All right. So I'm not, not inventing this drama, I guess. Here we go. You know? <laughs>
1: um,
2: so it was, like I said, both... Both relieving and also like frightening. But so, um, while, you're,
1: while, while you're saying that, how would you feel? You know, one week intensive sounds like okay, this is going right? to be so. As we're having this conversation tomorrow, Christy and I are leaving for a three week intensive.
2: Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> Can you imagine this? Oh, three wow. weeks, three Thanks. weeks. Yeah, put you guys on my
2: prayer calendar
1: ministry, <laughs> retreat, counseling, just which is, mm-hmm. I believe, going to be so good. It's going to be so good. So
3: (laughs) now as of the, as of the listener listening to this,
1: we're probably already gone. Uh, we've, we've already gone. I don't know know when this is releasing, but we're probably already back from it. But, um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to say the name of it right now over the air, but in, I will in the intro and outro tell everybody after we come back, if it's really good.
2: Okay. Good to know. (laughs) All right. And maybe you and I can talk and we can figure out if we're going to the same place. I
1: know. I know we will definitely, we definitely will
2: um, what if I just show up outside again, like my purple lipstick on? And I'm like,
1: <laughs> Hey, we're here. Hey, what's going what's on? Up, guys? I know. I, just I know. Start well, all, that you all to say is this, here's the deal. People shy away from, <laughs> from these things. They mm-hmm. shy away from the counseling, they shy away from the really deep tissue of healing. They shy away from the intensive. This is the, this is the stigma that a lot of people have when it comes to counseling as they go, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, yeah, counseling for us growing up was like a last resort. It was like, Oh right? no, everything's falling apart and you're hanging by a thread and now you need to go see counseling. <gasps> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, actually I think this is a lot more of a preventive maintenance thing. You know, yeah, this is a lot absolutely. more of a, I enjoy, uh, Christy hates when I talk about this. So I'm gonna talk about it. I, <laughs> I enjoy doing CrossFit and mm-hmm. we see a we see a physical i see a physical therapist every once in a while not because i'm hurt or injured but because i can start seeing it it's like if i if i don't get some of this stuff worked out i'm going to get hurt like bad right. and it's going to put me mm-hmm. out of the game and i think counseling is one of those things for us especially in ministry but really anybody that it's like if i if i don't start working some of these things out i can see this going down a really tough road and i'm watching other people that didn't do this and they're falling and they're you know so I'm going to, I'm going to work some of this out right now as preventive maintenance mm-hmm. so that totally. I can stay in the game. So it's like
2: the tune up for your car. That's it. You know, it's so, I, I completely agree. And I'm blessed that I had parents who, um, did not have a stigma about counseling yeah. and were, they they got me in counseling when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just so, so good for that. So I've never, never personally wrestled with that. Um, but I do know a lot of people feel that way, right. and I think when God um invites p- ministry leaders into those spaces and grants them some freedom in that, it does sort of help the 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 stigma fall away for those who right. maybe still have
1: it. right, well, and some yeah. of my best friends who are in ministry, they've actually come out of those experiences with some of the best call it what you will content for mm-hmm. other people, yeah. Some of the best books have been written out of that. Some of the best sermons have been preached out of those experiences that they've had where they're like, I'm wrestling this thing to the ground. And God's shown me some things that will be helpful for you as well. You know?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it. I already had a Sabbath, uh, not a Sabbath. I already had a sabbatical on the books for this year. Um, I was supposed to take it three years ago. Uh, That was my year seven of D Group's existence. And that was when I ended up having to use my time off to have two open heart surgeries. Wow. So I'm just now, we've just now gotten to a place where I can, can take a sabbatical. So I'm going to go during my, my six week sabbatical this year and do
1: my one week intensive. You'll do your one week intensive. Do you want to share with us where you're going for that one week intensive? Um, or no, it's you don't not, have to. It's
2: not a hundred percent yet. Okay, I've cool. got two I've got it narrowed down to two places and okay. my, my counselor and I meet I think next week to to finalize a decision.
1: Cool. So cool. we'll talk um, we'll talk off air and we'll figure that out. Yeah. I'd love to hear and about it.
2: I mean, those things are not cheap. No, not. I fortunately I have a friend who's gonna bankroll it. So That's that is awesome. just a very, <laughs> very generous <laughs> offer. Uh, <laughs> They're like we so want to
1: help here. I know that's so great. That's <laughs> Thank so you, great. Lord. So, so uh, in this in this period, what are some of the things that you felt like? Um, you know, I, I'm sure you've got lots of things that you feel like God has kind of shown you or helped you through some of the healing processes. But what else outside of this wrestling between you know the uh, quote unquote physiological versus biblical emotional? What are some things that God's just kind of revealed to you about? Uh, where he is and how he's how he's producing something out of this suffering season for you.
2: I have learned two big blind spots in my own life mm-hmm. that um, when we have our blind spots revealed, it's kind of, you know, it, it's one of those things that's both a, a hard thing to hear and a good thing to hear. Yeah, And I am getting to the place where I'm really grateful for how generous as the Lord was to reveal those things to me where it's, I'm out of the heart. I'm out of, I hope out of the place where it's hard and more mm-hmm. like the, Oh, thank God you showed me this, you know? Right. Um, and, um, one of those things is I, uh, I want in my communication to be as precise as possible. Mm. I want to, um, I think sometimes I, uh, I, I will state things in a general way and, think that um everybody is on the same page with me and they're not. And yeah. so I need to I need to aim to be more precise with things. And um so that's one thing that I'm I'm trying to tweak because as a leader, as as leaders in ministry, our words have weight. Yeah. And even, you know, with this, I'm I'm doing a podcast right now called the Bible recap, um, that I mentioned earlier, right. I think. And, um sometimes people will send me emails and be like, hey, you said this and that was really confusing. Could you clarify? And so we have started doing an episode at the end of every month that's called Reflections and Corrections, <laughs> where I can kind of like that's great expound on um, things that I said poorly or things that I was just plain wrong about right. or whatever. But just try to like be more precise and detailed with those things mm-hmm. because I'm a big I'm a I'm a like a big vision like yeah. a, a up in the sky kind you're, of I'm you're not probably so a lot much, like
1: me yeah 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 and so sense. um are you so sometimes what's I your enneagram.
2: My I'm a seven wing eight.
1: Okay, all right.
2: And um, my Myers Briggs is ENTJ.
1: Okay, cool.
2: So it's like the I'm the the, the enthusiast with, yep. with with enneagram, yep. um, but I've also got that sort of eight, like the commander, challenger, yeah, challenger in that and, sense. Yeah. yeah, Christy's a seven um,
1: wing six, so she's okay. the enthusiast. Sevens are so fun. Um, <laughs> so, so I fun. love
2: being a seven. I know, um, but uh, but you're a yeah, visionary,
1: EN- so you're yeah.
2: Right, so a lot of my stuff is up in the air, and I have to like put put feet on it, you know. Mm. Um, so communication-wise, that's something I'm aiming to do instead of just being a big vision talker. I want to be connected to the the, the stuff. Yeah. And um, then the other thing that my therapist pointed out to me, and when she said it to me, I thought that's not is that true? Like, I mean, maybe it's true, but um, I've realized since she said it how very true it is. Mm. She was like, "You think that just because you like someone." that you can trust them. <laughs> and she was like you you love everybody you think everybody's great and so wow. you ascribe every good quality to them. To them. Wow. Like I would be the person that was like Ted Bundy held the door for me. What <laughs> gentleman!" you know, like wow. oh my gosh like he's so nice. We should have him over for dinner, wow. you know? Yeah. Um and then I would, you know, spill my guts to yeah. the... Um, and that's and so, that's
1: so hard when you are a leader and you are, one, you're entrusting people with responsibility. And so you kind of, you, you do, you ascribe, okay, well, they're, they're trustworthy. I'll trust them with this responsibility. And for whatever mm-hmm. reasons, maybe it's competence issues or character issues or a combination mm-hmm. thereof. They're mm-hmm. not able to handle that or you misplace that trust. Um, and then also, not just the trust of responsibility, but what you're saying is that, the trust of emotion and relational, you know, um, uh, transparency and you're like, oh no, they're now they're taking advantage of this. And Uh yeah. Anyways. Wow. That's so difficult.
2: So I, I had, I would started making a new friend and, um, I was telling, telling my therapist about her and I was like, oh, we're like hanging out, we're going on walks. And she was like, can I just tell you, um, can I just like issue a challenge to you? Maybe don't tell her your story for like six months. Mm. She was like, share your life with her. Be open with her, but like learn the difference. And I've heard, man, I recently have listened to Lisa Turkers on several podcasts, yeah. and she has done such a great job talking about the difference between what is um private and like the difference between like privacy and secrecy. And mm. like there are some things that are just private that you you don't share with everyone. Right. And um That privacy is good. Secrecy is bad. But privacy and secrecy are different things. Mm. And so she was just, my therapist was just saying like, hey, um, be open. Share your day-to-day with this person. But the minute that they're nice to you, don't just unpack your trauma. And it's, it's, I'm not like, it makes it sound like I'm like some kind of person who just like dumps their baggage in yeah, a conversation. For sure, yeah. I don't, and this one I am because that's what you brought me here for. <laughs> but, um. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. But
2: it's, it's been a challenge to me to be like, oh, I have a new friend. I should give this some time. Mm. You know, wow. are there some um, things
1: like practically I, I like lean into this <laughs> privacy versus secrecy thing a little bit more. And, and here's why I ask this. I feel like I have trouble with this because like, <laughs> so I'm a three wing four. Mm-hmm. So for the, my four wing is like authenticity and like just be transparent and it's, beautiful at right. like everything. Even the, the nastiness of people's life is beautiful because God, you know, God's doing something <laughs> yeah. in it. And the three right. loves authenticity and wants and desires that from other people. But right. I have found myself in situations where I've been too transparent mm-hmm. and Same. it is used against me. And, mm-hmm. and that can be extremely hurtful. You articulated it earlier that the emotional wounding uh-huh. Even in in spite of the other wounding that you were dealing with, that, that seems like from the outside, in, outside looking in, it should have been a lot more hurtful, the physical, the, right. all of that. Uh, but the emotional wounding is actually what sits even heavier. Right. So how do you parse this out, this privacy and secrecy thing?
2: So I think the way that I've heard it best articulated, and again, I'm still in the middle of learning all this myself. Mm. So I don't know that I've got especially like wisdom driven words here, but, um,
1: you might have to do I, it for reflections and corrections on this one too. <laughs>
2: exactly. Davey, can we do a take? A take two? Um, I, I think uh, the gist of it is that as, as believers who want to walk in the light, nothing should be secret in our lives. There should be someone who knows that thing. Mm-hmm. Everything should. So I, if I have like a, a secret sin that shouldn't, that shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, if I'm struggling somewhere, I should have one or two people at least that I, am open to about that who have I've invited in to share in that space with me. Yeah. Um, and for me, those are, uh, the women in my D group. Um, mm. they I've been, they've, they've been in D group with me for four years, um, plus some of them. And, um, they have walked with me through the hardest seasons of my life. They've walked with me through everything I just mentioned and, um, over time have, have proven themselves, uh, trustworthy for carrying my right. quote unquote secrets. Um, the privacy thing has been more more challenging in some ways because um you know you have a lot of people in your life and you do ministry right and in some ways so I'm single uh i i live alone mm-hmm. so I have to pursue my friendships and create this this uh intentional time and depth and things like that that would naturally occur more readily if you lived in the same home with someone.
1: Right,
3: right.
2: And because with D group we all sort of work in our own spaces, I don't even go to work with other people. Mm-hmm. So we have staff meetings once a week where I see everybody, but apart from that I have to go pursue people. And so by the time I get around a person as a seven wing eight, as an extrovert mm-hmm. who's spending 95% of my week by myself working, when I get to see a person, I'm just like over the moon. And I just want to share <laughs> everything. Let me tell you everything that's happened and let me hear everything that's going on with you. <laughs> and, um, and I've been having to sort of feel, to, to sort of feel it out and learn, okay, these are the people you can share everything with. It can't just be the neighbor who lives down the hall that you just met for the first time. And you're so excited <laughs> to see that you just explode with everything that happened. You know? I'm not
1: laughing at you. I'm actually laughing but. at me. <laughs> you can laugh at both Cause lives. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're describing me. I feel like. <laughs> I,
2: so I just, um, I'm just learning. Wow. I'm tr-, I tr I've made a list of like, here are the, here are the two people who know everything. Here are the 10 people who know a lot of things. Yeah. And um That's
1: good. So you actually make these lists.
2: I made a I made a list. That's great. Because I I I also realized I needed to make a list because, because of the workload that I'm in right now and because of the fact that I live and work alone. Yeah. Um I have to be it's easy for me to default into not seeing people. I can literally stay home and work all day. And so I have to actually pursue those relationships. Even when they're in the back of my mind, yeah. um, when they're not at the forefront of my schedule, I have to pursue that, or I won't be emotionally healthy. Yeah. So sharing too much is not emotionally healthy, and not sharing at all is not emotionally healthy. So I'm just finding myself. I know, man. Trying to find a balance. <laughs>
1: wow, wow. Um, how you you already referenced this a little bit. Your D group over the past four years mm-hmm. um, has been really helpful for you when it comes to healing. How would mm-hmm. you advise people in, in that sense? Like how how imperative is community as you're walking through uh, trauma, tragedy, transition? Sorry, I'm a preacher. I just used three <laughs> Ts right there.
2: TRs too. That's right. Trauma, tragedy. Come on. And, and TRA even. Let's My go. Goodness.
1: Let's go. So right. as, you're, as people are walking through this, how, how important is community and what should they look for in that community to help them heal?
2: So, uh a story in response when I found out I had to have open heart surgery and I live in Dallas and I'm single and I live alone. Mm -hmm. One of the first things everyone asked me was who's going to take care of you. Mm. And I would almost break down in tears every time because I was like, I, I I don't know. I don't know who's going to take care of me. And praise God, I have a family who, you know, my, my parents and my sister, um, my sister, Sonia, who is not the one who passed away. My sister, Sonia flew out and, and they stayed with me. They took care of me for a week, but then they had to go back home to their lives and their jobs. And, um, I didn't know what's going to happen after I left the hospital. So I'm in the hospital for a week, but then everybody leaves, uh, when I go home. So, um, I had one of the, one of the girls in my D group, um, I've, I've met her parents and they're, just wonderful people. They've become good friends of mine as well. And immediately she was like, let's talk to my mom. Um, they have an extra bedroom. My dad's a doctor. She loves taking care of people. Like, let's, let's figure this out. And so, uh, when I talked to her mom, I think before I even brought it up, she was like, Oh no, you're staying with us. Mm-hmm. She was like, so after you get out of the hospital, you're coming to stay with us. Right. And I was like, I just lost it because to have people in your community who sort of step into the need uh, sometimes even before you realize it exists or ask for help yeah, has is just because sometimes you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what you need. And a lot of people will say like, let me know if you need anything. And they do, they mean that, right? but when you're in the midst of trauma and stress and chaos and medical and you're taking all kinds of pills and all like, you don't know how to ask for that sometimes. Right. So having people step in and say, "Here's what you need, and I'm going to meet that need,"
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that has been huge, huge. Wow. So I cannot, um, I can't uh, underestimate just the the emotional support yeah. that they brought me through being a physical support. Right. Right. Because um, I, you just feel so alone. Yeah. In it. Um, and I know with, with my sister Gina passing away, I had friends who wanted to, to, to be there for me, but in that moment, and this is, this is, so this may, this may not translate to any of your listeners or to you or anyone, but the only people I wanted to talk to were other people who'd lost people to cancer. Wow. Yep. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody else. Yeah. Um, about this specifically, like I would talk to them about whatever else, but but about this, I only wanted to talk to people who'd lost people to cancer. So, I, Davey, this is it's kind of crazy. But a month before my sister passed away, I was on a flight with a guy that um, had lost his sister to cancer when wow. she was younger. And we exchanged phone numbers, nothing weird, just, you know, friends. And I told him, yeah, my sister uh, has brain cancer. And I just, you know, got to see her and spend some time with her. And he was like, hey, call me if you ever need anything. Hmm. So this guy I spent three hours on a plane with. I wanted to talk to him more than than people who knew me, yep. just because I felt like he got it. Yep. So I think the other thing is that sometimes we don't in in our need in those moments, um, my community really wanted to be there for me. Yeah. Whether it was healthy or not, most of them I did not want. To, I did not want to talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because they don't love me well, and it wasn't because they didn't serve me well. And so I say this for your listeners who are, are out there and they have someone who's had a loss and they're trying to enter in and they feel like that person is shutting them out. That mm. um, it may not be a personal thing at all because for my people around me, I love that they wanted to enter in, but I didn't have I didn't have the tools for that. Yeah. I needed people who already knew where I was. Yeah, and so, so I good. didn't have to describe it for them.
1: Terry Lee, I, I love that you're saying this because um, you, said, you said this may not translate to you or your listeners. I think that reality translates to every one of our listeners. It mm-hmm. definitely translates to me because mm-hmm. I needed someone who um, – I needed people to speak into my life after Amanda was killed who had mm-hmm. lost a spouse. And mm-hmm. specifically, I needed people who had, you know, in that traumatic of a way – who had lost a spouse. And um, God does a really incredible job of connecting people providentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy in our in our city named named Todd Erb, and he was actually on an earlier you know earlier episodes of our podcast, he and his new wife, but his late wife was murdered along with his daughter mm-hmm. several years wow. ago, and they're here in Indianapolis. And so wow. um, they, you know, I don't remember, it was maybe a year and a half, year or so after Amanda passed away, I was able to get connected to him. He, they showed up to Amanda's funeral. So God, God providentially connected us, but it wasn't until, you know, a year or so that I was ready to really even talk to him about, about that. And, uh, maybe it wasn't quite a year. It's all foggy now, but Mm -hmm. either way, I needed someone who knew exactly what I was experiencing. And this is so, uh, with the fact that as leaders, we know our words have weight. This is something we are working really hard to do with nothing is wasted to create an online hub for people to come to this place create a profile um, with, a, with a you know login information and categorize whatever tragedy, trial, or transition they're going through to be able to get connected to people all over the country who have gone through the exact same mm. type of transition that they have. And it's so That's going to cool. be amazing. Yeah, and we can trust the Lord that just like this guy on the plane for you, we can trust the Lord mm. he's going to do it. How cool would it be if we could create this hub where it's like, Okay, I just thought, like, I don't know where to go. Hey, nothingiswaste.com. You're going to, boom, be able to get connected <laughs> with people who have experienced the same thing. Because it's, it's not the Gosh. same when you have lost somebody to cancer the way that you lost your sister. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the same as to sit down with someone who lost you know their grandmother who was 95 years old when she passed away. Right. There's, right. A, there's an element at which you can empathize with each other, but mm-hmm. it's just not quite the same.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: especially if there are folks that you're doing life with they may not understand because they've not experienced that degree of loss and they want to, they love you. It's no ill intent. They want to, but they're not sure. And this feels like this disconnect, you know, between the the, the two of you or the, among the group in your community. And so yeah. um, just, a, you know, imagine if you had had that, imagine if I had had That's that. That's going to be know?
2: amazing. I love that. And it, it really, um, drives home the name even of just nothing is wasted. Yeah. Like, not only in your own life, but in your ability to like extend to others, what you, what you've learned and what you have um, endured. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of people, Terry, that they, they go through something really hard and they want there to be people around them, but maybe they haven't done any of the preemptive work to put community in their life before mm-hmm. they went through mm-hmm. the hard thing. How would you, how would you advise people like on the, front side of that you know what wow what does that look like not on the backside after they're like wait where's my community wait, right. I have another right you know is there an element at which you almost have to like Gosh. prepare for the trial you're not yet in kind of idea like
2: oh abs- absolutely um I that makes me so sad to even think about that to mm-hmm. think about not having community i know is something that is so many people deal with and i i first of all would would encourage them to just pray that the lord would Open up those relationships. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that my dad always said to me growing up was, "Find the people who have no friends, and you'll have friends forever." Hmm. Um, he taught me to pursue the people who were sort of the outcasts, the people who, um, uh, just like Jesus did, you know, to go to those who these guys who had been cast off from following a rabbi—they weren't allowed to follow rabbis—and wow. uh, you know, to pursue the, the the people that the tax collectors and the people that, that nobody liked. Um, or that Mm. people didn't want to be friends with and make friends with those people. And so as I say this, I realize that my friends might be thinking, do you think that I'm that person? (laughs) 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 That's that's not the case. Um, (laughs) But, but I do have, I do have friends who would identify as that, who are like, I'm kind of a weirdo. I'm kind of a loner. Like, you know, um, Mm. and so I think even for somebody who doesn't have people in their life, pursuing someone else who maybe is in that same spot. Yeah. Might solve two problems at once, you know, mm. and, and there again, nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, the, the the best place that I found community has been in the local church. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we started D group almost 10 years ago, it'll be 10 years in February. I started it with the people at the church we were at at the time. And um, it has, you know, now it's on six continents. And uh, wow. Um, people of all different churches are sometimes in one D group together. Nice. But, um, through that I've built just b- by seeing these women every week. Mm-hmm. And one of our core values is lead with your junk. So it's <laughs> like, um, like we, we chant. it's, that's part of our expectation is yeah. that you're going to drop the ball. You're going to sin. You're going to, um, have bad motives. And this is a place where, we aren't gonna shun you for that um we're gonna we're gonna step into that with you. we're gonna shine light on the dark spaces yeah and we're gonna walk alongside you in that so um so yeah, even just if somebody is out there and they don't they don't know where to find community, like I would love to invite them to go to yes. our website and see right. if there's a d group near them or start yeah. one near you whatever um, it's just mydgroup.org.
1: dot org dot org very cool mm-hmm.
2: and if you click on the map link, you can see where all the d groups are Wow. Um, that's awesome. So, hey. so yeah, it's, it's a space for people who maybe, uh, I know there are churches that don't have small groups yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's a challenge. If your church doesn't have a small group, we'd love to have you in D group.
1: Yeah, that's so good. So we're uh, two big old things, ministries that you're leading, and they and <laughs> yeah. people can find you at both these things. Um, they yes. can join D group if they want. They can listen to this podcast. Yeah. So D group is at what again? Tell, tell us the website. My,
2: it's my my, so mydgroup.org so m y
1: d g r o u p.org mydgroup.org and then the mm-hmm. podcast that you just started the podcast
2: is called the bible recap and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts or on youtube um, but it's t h e the bible recap you have to type in the the t h e i think to find it um, and it's also at the bible com if you gotcha. just want to look at that and find our platforms from there so but, great um, so
1: great and we'll put all that yeah. stuff on our on the the episode, the podcast page, um, here on nothingiswasted.com. And awesome. so people can get to it pretty quickly. Terry, this was awesome. Such a great conversation with you. I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Oh, thank you, Davey. Likewise. This won't be the last time your... that
1: we have a conversation on <laughs> <in> this podcast. <laughs> okay. Cause I feel like we've got a lot more we could talk about.
2: <laughs> we got to regroup after our uh, intensives. And we do. This... <laughs>
1: There'll be a lot more we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you.
0: Davey, that was so good. I am so intrigued. I want to learn more about D Groups now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah it's, it's a ministry that she's had going for a little while. Um, Tara Lee and I go way back from a ministry that we were both a part of in South Carolina called uh, New Spring Church. And then she went and moved to, to Dallas and started this <laughs> D Groups thing. And um, I said it in the episode, but it was the strangest thing in the world. Uh, on my Israel trip in 2016 to run into her essentially in Bethlehem. Like, like, what are you doing here? She was leading a, a tour, leading a group there. It's just crazy. So small I feel world. like that
0: takes like, it's a small world into a whole new meaning. <laughs> when
1: you run into people in Israel that, you know, totally, yeah, total small world. You're like, what is this? It's crazy. It's crazy. We need to do another Israel trip. That's what we need to do. Absolutely. Would you I'm and Charlie board. be down?
0: Cal- oh yeah. Count us in.
1: Well, our, our podcast producer, Taylor, she's nodding her head right now as I said that. She's like, yeah, let's go. We're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that. I've been going well, back and forth with Christy on it, going, okay, when are we going to take another trip? When are we going to lead a trip? She's never been, and I, I loved the last trip that I led. It was awesome, and there were some folks from our Nothing Is Wasted community that were a part of that that came and got to meet them. So listen, that if would you, be a
0: dream if I'm, you I'm want so to down. do an
1: Israel trip— all right, here right? We're going to put it out there to the Nothing Is Wasted community. We're going to test it out. If you want to do an Israel trip, write in. Hello at com, And we'll just see. If there's enough people who want to do it, we'll take one.
0: And maybe, maybe we could do a poll on our Insta stories. So Ooh. follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. We'll do a little poll if we should go to Israel or not.
1: That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. So... There it is. There it is. Um, we're going to put some info up there on the podcast page for D groups. Um, if you want to get plugged into that. Um, but, Man, thanks so much, guys, for for listening to this interview. And we and want to thank, thank
0: you thank... for Ryan at Sleeping at Last. Look at us um, fighting
1: over thanking Ryan because I he's know, just I that amazing. I
0: him this time.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but, thank him, Mel. <laughs> all right. Well, thank
0: you for contributing um, this wonderful music to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download his music um, on iTunes or anywhere where music can be downloaded or streamed. And we want to share with you a little clip from for next week's episode. So have a listen.
3: In the early days, it was a lot of scribbling, yeah. a lot of angry writing. Have you ever written angry where you can't really yeah, read you it? Can't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then over time, I could see that my writing was getting a little more gentle. Mm. Uh, I was feeling a little bit more healing. But there was one particular day that was so special. All the kids were at school. And I thought, I just, I don't want to forget about her. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest fears. Oh, yeah. When we lose somebody close, what if I forget that infectious laugh? Yeah. Those sparkling blue eyes and all of those things about my mom. I got to tell you about Beezy. That's what we called her. You
1: called your mom Beezy. Oh
3: my gosh, she was the coolest <laughs> person. Oh. She was hilarious. But um, I started writing those Beezy stories yeah. and just spilling them out. And I, it was so cool because I had about two hours mm. and I just wrote and wrote and wrote. I think both my legs went to sleep. I don't think. I've ever even moved. Oh. And it was so cool, Davey. By the end of it, I had just written, I thought, I'm going to write everything I can remember mm-hmm. about being five years old, 10 years old. You know, we had a big house full of kids, right. five kids. Um, it was the thing, Like it was not the most calm place the most quiet place. Yeah. When the Orkin man came to spray the house, she would send him out to spray the station wagon that was our house. That's gross, right? (laughs) I mean, that is not normal. Uh, But it was such a fun place. And I wanted to record those things. I wanted to write it. And what was really amazing is by the end of this time, by the end of that two hours, I was giggling again. I was laughing again. And I thought, what a gift that this person was my mom.